welcome back to the next episode of Lace Up and Listen. I'm your host, Amelia Uphill, aka The Uphill Runner, and as a mum to one-year-old Max and aspiring marathon runner, I'll be sharing insights about how to juggle mum duties while still finding time for running. Each week, I'll bring you a conversation with a different inspiring expert guest to help you maximise your training, whether you're a new mum returning to running postnatally or building up to running marathons and more. There'll be a new episode available every week to keep you company throughout your training or to relax with on a rest day. My guest for this episode is Claire Gleave, founder of pre and postnatal activewear brand Natal Active, marathon runner and mum of three. We're going to be chatting about her own experience of both running throughout pregnancy and returning to running postnatally, in particular about Claire's experience with suffering a prolapse along with why and how she decided to start an activewear business specialising in maternity clothing. Hello, thank you for joining me. Hi, thanks for having me on. So we'll get on to talking about Natal Active in a moment, but uh, the first thing I wanted to ask you was how or when you first got interested in running. Oh, well, a long time ago now, in my early 20s. I almost don't like to admit how long ago that was. Um, but I was never actually a runner. I kind of you know, did bits of the gym and step aerobics and stuff when I was at university. And then um, I got into running when my husband um, did, the, well, he was then my boyfriend, um, did the marathon um, for a charity. Uh, I think it was like a leukemia charity uh, because his best friend's mum had passed away from leukemia and I went to go and cheer them both on and it was the most inspirational thing I've ever seen you know you had young people old people different shapes and sizes different abilities and disabilities and it was you know all these people that had put all these months of training in to go and do this event and I thought gosh I want to do one of those I want to be a part of it and and give it a go so after a couple of bottles of wine with some friends, I was made a bet that I would run the marathon the following year and and literally started from scratch. So I had this kind of really big, audacious goal and started training myself by running a mile. And I lived in Greenwich in London at the time and sort of measured myself by running around the park. So Back those days, I didn't sort of have, you know, my Apple Watch or a Garmin or anything like that. It was literally just a little digital watch that I think I'd bought for 20 quid from Argos. Had none of the proper kit and built myself up by just running laps of the park through the winter. Um, and then went on to run the marathon that, that following year. And despite, as I think lots of runners do, crossing the finish line saying, I'm never doing that again. I think I've now done 12 marathons and an ultra. Yeah, yeah, I I just got the bug. I loved it. So many people I speak to say that they they saw people doing the London Marathon or they entered the London Marathon on a whim. And then, yeah, that was it. Once they'd done it once, it was just kind of, yeah, it all went from there. Yeah, it's an incredible event to go and watch, actually. Um, But it's even more incredible to be a part of it, too. And you said you've already done an ultra and obviously you've already run 12 marathons, which is absolutely amazing. But is there any kind of ultimate running goal or fitness or exercise, I should say, goal that you would still like to work towards one day? 
Do you know, no, I don't really think so. I feel like I got my, when I did the London Marathon, uh, must have been three years ago now, I got my PB, which was brilliant to do in my late 30s, given that my first marathon had been in my early 20s. Um, so that was a really big goal for me because there had been many, many years where I was more than capable of smashing that goal and it just didn't come together on the day. And so to get that was a really big achievement. And that was the same year I then ran my ultra, my first ultra marathon. I'd probably like to do another ultra. I think my running style quite suits it. Um, but it's just the training commitment. And now with the business and stuff, you know, I'm struggling even. So I'm supposed to be running London in October, but I'm really debating about whether to do it because it falls the same weekend as my first baby show in down in Surrey. So I'd have to spend two days on my feet at the baby show, then travel up to London to run the marathon on the Sunday, completely exhausted and have somebody else look after my stand for me. And then I'd have to come back to Sandown straight after the marathon to go and pack everything away. And I'm thinking, am I just trying to take on a bit too much with it? So we'll see. The jury is still out on that one. <laughs> it's actually quite nice and refreshing to hear that you're thinking that perhaps maybe it is going to be too much. Perhaps it is, you are going to take a step back from one thing while you focus on another. Because I think as mums... Um, well I think people in general as well but mums in particular often find it difficult to step back and say actually I'm going to focus on one thing rather than um, trying to do everything and you feel like you have to do everything and prove that you can juggle everything. Well it's nice to hear you say that as well I suppose because yeah I do think we are guilty of that and I know a lot of people say oh how do you find the time to train for a marathon when you've got three kids? And I think, well, actually, for me, what works is I get up very early and I'm generally done with my training either before they're up or while they're having breakfast at the weekends. So you kind of find a way to make it work. But, you know, I, I was working in between having the boys so that I've got four years between my three boys. But by the time I had my third, I wasn't really working. I did bits of contract here and there, but I was largely a stay-at-home mum for a few years. And so when I eventually built up to run a marathon again after he was born, um, you know, it was a bit different because I had a running buggy. So I could run in the day or I had a friend and we would take it in turns, you know, to look after the kids. And then we'd each take it in turns to go for a run. Whereas now it's not only I have to do it early in the morning, but it's also then thinking, well, actually, I'd like to get up at half past five to work because I'm trying to fit work around the children, even though they're all in school. You know, I want to be present for them when they finish school. And that's very difficult as the business grows to find the time in the school day to do my work. So I'm often working early before they're up or after they've gone to bed. And I want that to be the case, but something's got to give. And at the moment, running is taking a back seat. I'm kind of doing it begrudgingly. Um, in fact, I ran a half marathon distance this morning, but I'm behind where I should be on my training plan. And I'm not giving it the kind of attention and focus that I ordinarily would be doing. When you look back, do you think that there is a, a favourite run or a favourite event that you've ever had that you look back and think, well, perhaps I'm not enjoying running or having as much time for running at the moment, but that was one I really enjoyed. That was one that was really a great one to remember. 
Um, well, I think the London Marathon, probably loads of people say that, but I've been particularly lucky because I've, I think I've run the London Marathon nine times. Wow. I, I kind of lose track, but I've been really lucky in the ballot. So I've had ballot places four times over the years. Um, and I also used to work for a private bank um, that was owned by Royal Bank of Scotland. And because the, these both these banks had really big charitable trusts, you'd get a lot of sponsorship. So in the years where I got a charity place, um, I'd get a lot of sponsorship from the bank. So, you know, back in the day, you only had to raise, I say only, but you still had to raise like a thousand pounds or twelve hundred pounds, whereas I think it's more like two and a half thousand now, which is a really a huge amount. But actually, the bank would give me almost all of that money um, through the sort of sponsorship stuff that they did. So it was never I was lucky because it was never much of a challenge to have to fundraise. Whereas now, if I was doing a charity place to try and fundraise two and a half thousand pounds, I mean, it's a huge commitment on top of all the training to do that. Yeah, I'm really tempted to enter the ballot for obviously the following year. Um, but it would be the first time that I would be entering it. I don't think anybody hardly gets in on their first ballot attempt, but it's tempting to enter, isn't it? It is. And to be honest, I think it's just complete potluck because I've had years where I've had two in a row, you know, and then I've had five years where I had nothing. So it's worth a try. Yeah. Yeah. It's always worth a try. Definitely. Definitely. And um, even though you've been balancing loads of things, obviously talking about running marathons and uh, lockdown, homeschooling, everything like that. Why did you decide that it was the right time then to launch uh, a new business, to launch Natal Active? Well, the timing didn't really work out as, as quite as smoothly as I intended. But um, basically, my youngest son was starting school in 2019. And I had long had this idea of, of wanting to do um, sort of maternity and breastfeeding friendly sportswear because it was something that I had had, you know, such an issue with as as I went through my pregnancies and had the boys. And in fact, I would sort of started tentatively working on it quite a few years ago now but I had the boys in such quick succession because I only had 18 months between my first two and then two and a bit years later had my third so um, I didn't really have the time to focus um, on it and so as he was going back to school I was sort of thinking do I go back into jobs so my background is marketing do I look in, into a marketing job and, and take that sort of route but I didn't really feel that it offered the flexibility. And also when you've had a few years out, it's really difficult to get back into work, I found personally, um, despite having, you know, a pretty good CV. And that knocked my confidence a bit. And then I thought, actually, I want to do something that's flexible and that fits around me and my family. And I don't want to feel tied to having, you know, four weeks holiday a year and stuff, because then what do I do with the kids in the summer? You know, my husband runs his own business too, so he's working a lot. And um, and so I just thought, look, this this has been in my head for such a long time and I need to do something with it and give it a go and see if I can make it work. So the summer before he started school, I started kind of tentatively working on designs and ideas. And then um, and but then sort of really kicked off that process when he went to school in September. And my plan had been then to launch in February 2020. Um, and I'm having everything manufactured in the Far East. And of course, everything shut down with COVID early in the year. So my plans to launch kind of went out the window and I'd started doing a bit on Instagram and whatnot. 
But by the time we were in lockdown here, things had restarted over there. So actually my products were being manufactured again and they were coming over. But it meant that then my launch was in June when I was homeschooling the boys because we were still in lockdown. I think my youngest had maybe gone back two days a week, but the older two weren't allowed to go back at all. Um, And I did the homeschooling because my husband's husband's business had been running pretty much throughout lockdown. So he was just completely chocker. So I had to take that on. And um, yeah, so I ended up launching the business at the end of June with the kids at home and just trying to make it work somehow. And same as I said before, early starts, late nights. And it wasn't ideal timing. However, if it's something you're passionate about, it's something that you will make work. Definitely. And I think also in some respects, you know, the timing worked well because people were at home exercising and they were buying online. So it made it perhaps that little bit easier to get a bit of noise about about the launch and about what I was doing. And it's really just gone from strength to strength. You know, when I look back at at the last year, it's been quite amazing. But I'm certainly glad that I'm not homeschooling anymore. I don't want to ever do that again. I think a lot of people would agree with you. Yeah, luckily Max isn't quite old enough for that yet. But uh, <laughs> I think a lot of people would be in the same position. Yeah. When you were launching Natal Active, um, did you think that uh, there was quite a lot of competition out there, or that you'd spot you'd got this gap in the market because of your own experience of difficulty finding suitable active wear during pregnancy or during postnatal periods? What did you think about finding that the market for your clothes? Yeah, I felt there was still a massive gap in the market, actually. And it was interesting because I kind of did quite a lot of research and there was maybe one brand that was doing some stuff um, that I found. But I it didn't really appeal to me The you know, they were they were sort of providing support products, but it wasn't really what I wanted to wear. Like for me, I, it was, you know, I like active wear. I like clothes that look nice and feel nice and um and the sort of style didn't work it was I think they were very functional clothes but the style wasn't really to my personal taste and so I wanted stuff that almost meant that I could still feel as nice as I do in any active wear that I would buy but you know it would be suitable for maternity um and I could see internationally there were some companies doing this in their sort of local markets really well and I thought gosh there's no one really I I didn't feel there was anyone really doing it here the way I thought it could be done in terms of really kind of developing a brand and that's not to say I necessarily have got it right from the start but it's definitely in my mind of how I grow the brand it's not just about you know yes it's about the products and it's about the customers and all of that but I'm trying to do sort of look bigger picture even though it's still a very small business um so I could see what companies were doing in other countries and I thought gosh we we are bigger here in the UK and Nike's doing it a bit and Adidas is doing it a bit but there's not really that focus and there's still not the products that I want you know I'm a a big fan of Sweaty Betty and you know their clothes aren't there for me in maternity I hope they're not now (laughs) going to maternity but you know, for me, that was the kind of style of things that I liked. Um, and then as I've sort of got into it, yes, I've come across some other competitors that do sort of um, 
on a small scale through social media and stuff. But yeah, I think we all have something different to offer those of us that do it. But I think it's still an unta- you know relatively untapped market in that regard. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right in saying that there's quite a few um, sort of brands that do more functional style things, but it's quite difficult to find things with bright colours or a choice of colours or really something that's really comfortable. And especially I think that the what I love about Natal Active is that it's things that's suitable still way beyond um, even having your baby or stopping breastfeeding or anything like that. It's it's activewear that you can you can wear well for life (laughs) yeah definitely and that was really important to me because you know I'm quite passionate about getting the business to a place where it's as sustainable as it can be and we're making more and more moves towards that and we've got a lot in plan for the next sort of two years but one of the key things for me was um I didn't want to I, I didn't like myself when I bought maternity wear that it has a very short shelf life because really you don't have a bump till about five months typically probably earlier in your first pregnancy uh, in your subsequent pregnancies rather um and obviously you carry baby weight after you've had the baby but typically you know it's fairly short period of time where you'd be in maternity specific clothes and so what I didn't want is for you know there are many hundreds of thousands of tons of maternity wear that are you know go to waste almost every year so that was why it was quite important to me to design things that would fit all the way through that would fit after um, as well and I genuinely wear my own clothes now over and above any other brands actually you know even my I ran a marathon the virtual London marathon I did last year in my in my um, vitality bra because it's just so comfortable so it's about comfort and support but colorful you know as well but that's why I've also teamed up with a company called For the Creators, where we sell. So I will buy back um, as a business. We'll buy back um, pre-loved active wear. So some people do find that they lose a lot of weight after they've had their babies and their clothes are too big. So they can sell those back to us for gift vouchers. And we then resell that on to try and extend the shelf life of those clothes. Because what I don't want is things going into landfill unnecessarily. Mm, that's such a great initiative um the pre-loved um activewear idea yeah I really love that yeah it's it's fun um do you think that um in general pregnant and postnatal women are receiving enough information or enough support about the ability or the possibilities that you still have about exercise during and after pregnancy because for me the reason that I didn't really buy any activewear or look for maternity activewear when I was pregnant was because I was kind of scared a bit into thinking well you mustn't do any running you mustn't do anything high impact after a certain number of weeks which I've since realized obviously depending on different pregnancies but for me I don't think that would have been the case at all um is that another side of your kind of your initiative to encourage women or to demonstrate to women that there is a a way to still be active or to still do exercise you enjoy Um, even if it's adapted when you are pregnant or after you're returning from having your baby? Absolutely. I mean, I do think the conversation is changing. You know, my youngest is now 
coming up for six. So it's been a while since I was pregnant, but certainly when I had my babies, I mean, you know, I would get horrified looks if I'd be running with a bump or anything like that. And I sort of did my own research on Google, but I didn't really have any proper advice. I just kind of figure, I think as a runner, you can be quite in tune with your body. And I just thought I'm just going to do with what I feel or do as much as I feel comfortable with. And you know, at a point where I don't feel something's right, I'll stop. And I took that mindset through all three pregnancies. But really, there was very, very little information out about there about that. And also how to protect yourself, because I suffered a prolapse after my third son. And when I then sort of started looking into that in more detail, there was nothing out there about, you know, the importance. Yes, you get told to do Kegel exercises when you're pregnant, but really, it's not I don't think properly taught or properly explained and so that was all a very new thing for me that um you know that this had happened to me and yet I knew nothing I I had no kind of advice from anywhere that the importance of it in relation to pregnancy and protecting your pelvic floor so I do think that 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 conversation is changing However, I think it also depends very much on what your social and your your social in real life and your social media circles are. So I'm obviously very well connected in with a number of fabulous personal trainers that specialize in pre and postnatal and they are advising on everything you can do and when you shouldn't do something and you know how you protect your pelvic floor and how you rehabilitate your pelvic floor postnatally. But I think unless you have friends or you are in that sort of social media world online if you're not necessarily a a sort of really into your exercise type person I don't think that information is obviously available and my understanding is that there are still a lot of medical professionals that feel a bit reluctant to recommend you know exercise Um, I don't know how true that is but you know what I sort of anecdotally hear so I feel very strongly I mean I'm not a personal trainer I can only ever speak from my own experience but I do feel very strongly in women getting the best support and the best advice. And, and I try and do as much as I can to work with the experts that can give that, um, you know, so that hopefully people are motivated and encouraged to do to do things in the right way that feels comfortable for them. Mm, yeah, I really wish I looked deeper into um, more specific um advice um from personal trainers um and people qualified in pre and postnatal exercise um instead of just ending up going down a google kind of rabbit hole when i was about probably 12 or 13 weeks pregnant because i'd stopped running really in the first few weeks because i just really didn't feel like it and then when i did feel like it again i didn't really know where to start and that was what the problem was with me i think but anyway, would you be happy to talk a little bit more about your own experiences of running throughout your pregnancies and returning to running and the differences you've experienced with, with different pregnancies? And if you want to talk about your prolapse as well, that would be really interesting to hear. Yeah, so I so I ran through all three pregnancies to varying degrees. So my eldest is now 10. And I mean, I was very much an anomaly at that point. You know, I was a marathon runner. I was really super fit. I was always at the gym. And I remember being 16 weeks pregnant and thinking maybe I should go and do aqua aerobics, which no offense to anyone that does aqua aerobics, but I always saw as an exercise for like older ladies. And um, but I thought, well, this is like a nice thing to do when pregnant. And the instructor wouldn't let me join the class. 
because I hadn't done aqua aerobics before and I was pregnant and I was really mortified and furious because I thought my god I'm fitter than every single person in your pool and you know I like ran 10 miles yesterday and you're telling me I can't come and you know jump around in a swimming pool so it was really frustrating and I bet that experience I would hope wouldn't be the same now but um I had to get a doctor's note actually to be allowed to continue some of my gym classes back then um, because they were reluctant. So it was very much not the norm. Um, So I ran with all my pregnancies. I mean, a bit like you say, you didn't really feel like running in the early weeks. I found the impact on like my breath and my pace almost instant it was almost like the moment of conception you know within it felt like because certainly by six or eight weeks I could feel it being harder to run um so I noticed it very quickly and my running club were always the people that found out first that I was pregnant (laughs) um because I just had to tell them because it was you know to me it was really obvious anyway um so with my first pregnancy uh, yeah I continued running and um I ran to about 32 weeks and I mean it's a long time ago now but from memory it was very straightforward and and that was all good um I fell pregnant again very quickly after Lucas was born and I suffered a miscarriage quite early on, which was very upsetting at the time. And But at the time, I was starting to train for the marathon um, the following year. So I think I must have miscarried, uh, you know, at the end of, of the year. And so in my head, I thought when I sort of kind of got myself back together, I thought, right, you know, we, we weren't really trying. It was a bit of an accident. And um, I'm going to think about another baby after I've done the marathon. And um I so I just carried on with my training and then um I think it might have been about February time I did um I lived in Banbury at the time and there's a 15 mile race and I did this race and I think I got a PB actually but at the end I felt really really dizzy and one of my running club guys says to me oh you're not pregnant again are you and I thought oh I wonder if I am because <laughs> it was just really odd to feel like that and um lo and behold, I was pregnant again, I think two months, not even two months after I'd miscarried. So, but by that point, I was quite far into my marathon training. And I think I would have been eight weeks pregnant when the marathon was due to be on. So it's still quite early. So I went to see my GP and she was brilliant. And I was really lucky because I think it depends very much who you speak to and who you get as to then what advice you get and you take. And so she just said to me really kind of candidly, if you run the marathon, that's not going to make you have a miscarriage. But if you do it and you then miscarry and those things won't be connected. But if you feel you'd blame yourself, then you shouldn't do it. Um, But if you can accept that they're not connected and that's not your fault then by all means go ahead but obviously be sensible don't get too hot make sure you take enough water on and so I thought yeah I want to do it and so I did all the training incidentally as it then happened I ended up getting quite poorly literally the day before the marathon I came down with a virus and had a really high temperature and I think had I not been pregnant I probably would have tried to do it anyway even though probably I shouldn't, but because I was pregnant, I had to pull out. So I never did do it pregnant, but I did all the training. So I ran up to like 22 miles in those early stages of pregnancy and felt absolutely fine with it. So that was really good. But I did find then second time round, 
had a lot more problems with my hips and just generally felt more uncomfortable. So stopped at about, I think it was about 28 weeks with him and just moved to kind of doing um, things like spin that didn't have that sort of high impact. Um, recovered again fairly reasonably quickly. He was a big baby, but I kind of took a bit more time off. I returned to running very quickly after my first, which in hindsight was really stupid, um, but didn't know anything really about recovery. And um, so I took a bit more time after my second and continued running and ran, I think, I don't know, another marathon. I can't really lose track. But I then fell pregnant with my third baby. And again, fairly straightforward pregnancy, ran all the way through. So I wasn't marathon training at that point. He was due at the end of August. Um, and I ran to 37 weeks. So, I, I mean, I was probably waddling more than running by 37 weeks. And, and I had to kind of find routes where I could stop for a sneaky wee in the bush somewhere because obviously they're like bouncing on your bladder the whole way around. But I felt really good. And um, and I've been always had very straightforward pregnancies. So I've been quite lucky. Um, but when I had him, the, the birth was very straightforward. But I had a retained placenta that I had to have a manual placenta removal for. And about a week after his birth, I basically discovered I had quite a severe prolapse. And I was horrified because I didn't even know what it was hadn't really heard about and I don't know that I even knew the word until I googled what the heck was going on and um yeah so that was pretty horrendous because I was everything I read online just said you can't run with a prolapse and I was thinking my gosh this thing that's such a huge part of my life I'm not going to be able to do again you know and it was uncomfortable and it was painful and it was embarrassing and, you know, it wasn't something that was going to recover quickly. And I was devastated. Um, I went to see a gynecologist and she really was not helpful at all. Made me feel like I was a bit silly. I had to ask her to examine me because she didn't offer me that. So I didn't even really know other than what I would found on. And this was a female gynecologist with children of her own. You know, so all I knew was what I found on Google. So I didn't even get an examination to really understand what my grade of prolapse was and, and what that meant. She just simply said, you know, she told me off for carrying the baby in the car seat because I shouldn't lift. And um, and she said, well, and I said, but, you know, I'm a runner and I really want to run again. And she said, well, you won't run again. You can't run when you've got prolapse. You need to go away and we'll talk, you know, maybe in a year's time, very early. We'll talk to you in a year's time about surgery. I was like, oh, my God, I don't want surgery. I'd already read all the horror stories about the mesh tape scandal and stuff that was already going on, you know, six years ago. And and I was devastated. You know, it was horrendous. And just to be treated so offhandly as well, that's not going to help you feel any better. No, it was awful. And And actually, I feel more angry about it now than I did then, because I think I was just so you know, trying to deal with this and then having three children and and everything else that it's when I look back on it, I actually feel really furious for the way I was treated because I didn't get angry then. Um, I think I was just so upset. I'm still probably shocked, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I did just a lot of my own research. I And it's interesting because I 
sort of did research and I because to me it's really important to exercise I started exercising I don't know maybe six or eight weeks later and I did everything low impact and it's very interesting now because people I've spoken to that specialize in pelvic floor health say actually it's really important you know obviously with the right support and advice but it is really important to exercise when you've got prolapse because you're kind of trying to make your pelvic floor work in a functional way for everyday life and actually to just kind of sit and do kegel exercises isn't really enough and so I almost just started doing that on my own um and then after about six months I somehow found out about a woman's health physio I think I stuck because I didn't even get referred for physiotherapy and and you know my prolapse was severe and um, I, yeah, I wasn't referred for any kind of support or help. So I found a woman's health physio. She came and examined me and she put me on like a program of exercises to do and explained to me like where the weakness was in my pelvic floor. So I knew what I needed to do when I was doing the exercises and that in itself was invaluable. So I started doing that and did that for a period of time with her. And at that point, I was still suffering symptoms, but they weren't as severe. And she said, look, if you really want to run, try and run. Just go and do a little run, see how you feel and take it really steady. And if you find it's making your symptoms worse, stop um, and we'll wait a bit longer. And I just started to run and I found it didn't really make my symptoms worse. So I just very tentatively got back into it. And I then found um, a course with um, a trainer that practices something called holistic core restore which I would recommend to anyone they have um, people qualified all across the UK and I did a proper pelvic floor physiotherapy program with her and it just sort of slowly started to get better and so when I then started running I started building up my mileage and I'd had a ballot place I think for the London Marathon that I had deferred when I was pregnant and my goal was then to try and do that or I deferred it sorry the year after I was pregnant so my goal was to then do that which would have been 18 months after he was born and so I just built up really slowly and I remember going out to do my first 10 mile run just before Christmas and thinking gosh I don't know how this is going to go and it was fine it was weird it never seemed seemed to make my symptoms worse I would still get symptoms um but not necessarily linked to running and yeah I did the marathon that year and got a PB (laughs) so yeah so I kind of was really like well I can run again and actually I can run really quite well again yeah it's really strange to hear just imagine if you just sort of believed what that first gynecologist had told you and they'd said you can't run again don't even think about it that's it and just imagine if you just sort of said okay and think of everything that you would have missed out on seeing what you've been able to achieve since anyway why is it that um, exercise is still really important to you um, during motherhood well I think it's two things I'd be lying if I said there wasn't an aesthetic side to it Um, you know I didn't um, I wanted to get back in shape after I had my babies and actually sometimes I think there's you know I'm all for the body positive movement I think that's really fantastic but actually I think also sometimes people feel a bit now ashamed to kind of say that that's what they want but actually if the aesthetic side of of exercise is important to you 
I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. Um, so, you know, that definitely was a part of it for me to want to get back in shape. Not, I'm not talking about bouncing back and squeezing into my jeans two weeks after I had a baby or anything like that, but I wanted to feel like myself. And so that was an important part of it. But also now, you know, particularly having three of them, but even since I had my first, I think motherhood takes a lot from you. And, you know, you perhaps give up your job, lots of people do, or, you know, you have a year off or whatever it is for your maternity leave before you go back. And you, you know, for example, if you're breastfeeding, perhaps it's not so easy to go out and see people um, or have that bit of freedom. And that sort of jump into having particularly your first baby, I found personally huge, you know, every aspect of my life had been impacted by having this baby. And I didn't really feel like me because all of the things that were important to me had kind of had to stop because I was breastfeeding. So my husband couldn't give him a bottle and I couldn't have a night out um, in the early days. Um, And I didn't have my work. And so all my work friends, I had some brilliant friends at work and couldn't go and see them and everything had changed. So actually for me, running was something that allowed me to hold on to that little bit of what I felt was important to me before I had children so when I had my first used to go after he went down to bed out with my running club and and it was just that sort of escape and now three kids and a few years down the line that adjustment of being at home and what have you has been made and I don't I wouldn't say it might be wrong to say I resented it in the early days but I suppose I did in a way because as I think is many women's experience, you know, for my husband, his life didn't really change that much day to day. He still went out to work and, you know, he would help out. And when he got home, but my whole life had kind of turned upside down in a wonderful way, but also a way that was kind of hard to adjust to. And so um, I now find that although I'm very content being at home, I need that bit of escape. And that's just my bit of me time. And often I'm listening to business podcasts. So I feel like it's also my working time because I get a lot of inspiration for the business from listening to podcasts or listening to just music and switching off on the way around when I run or when I work out. And yeah, it's just important for me to fit it in, really. I know we talked a lot about juggling things and balancing act of being a mum, but I think you're so right to say that it's so important to have whatever whatever way it comes for you but a little time for yourself a little bit of time out time to be a bit more of the you that's not necessarily just the you that's a mum yeah absolutely absolutely because like I say it takes a lot of you and and that's great because you know that's what we want when we become parents but there's still an old you there and it's interesting for me now coming out of the other end to where you are with your little one you know I've had you know, a number of years where I've had these three boys in very quick succession and was really heavily in the whole nappy and baby and sleepless nights and all of that. And now they're all at school. That change has been huge. And starting my own business, you know, whereas because my career had been so important to me before I had children. And I feel like in the last year, I have changed so much because I've got so much of the old me back with all the good bits of being a mum you know if I could just find someone that would nag them to brush their teeth and put their shoes on for me life would be perfect (laughs) I don't know if you feel like uh, the business natal active has become almost like your fourth baby it's because uh, 
I don't know, that's been your new focus this year. And I know it's just had its first birthday quite recently as well. Yeah. Are you proud of how far it's come in that first year? Oh, definitely, definitely. And I do, I do say it's my fourth baby um, because I do feel a bit like that. But it is amazing. Uh, you know, I, I'm always very guilty of not stopping and looking at, at what I've done because, you know, particularly like, you know, now I'm working on stuff for next summer. So you're always kind of working ahead and, and I've, the learning curve has been so steep. But I did do a submission for an awards entry recently and I had to sort of do a whole piece about the brand. And I sat down and wrote it. And then when I read it back to kind of proofread it, I thought it, it really almost I took a moment to think, actually, if I had read that a year ago, I would never have believed that that was my business, that I had done that. And and actually, I need to kind of do that and appreciate and be proud of what it's done in, in the last year. Because, yeah, I think as women, we can be very critical of ourselves and quick to kind of put ourselves down. But actually, I, I, yeah, I am really proud. But I also know there's so much more I want to do and it's that kind of impatience I suppose that comes with it as well. Mm. And how does it make you feel to finally see after those first tentative designs however however many years ago how does it make you feel to finally see your clothes being worn by pregnant women postnatal women? Oh my gosh it still blows my mind like I get a lot of direct messages on Instagram where people you know they're, they're not even because obviously you have a lot of people that wear your clothes on Instagram, that's great because you can share it. But I get a lot of messages from people that don't necessarily share photos, but they just say, I can't believe I haven't found you sooner. Oh, thank you so much because this has made me feel like me again and I love your clothes. And those sorts of things, that it just blows my mind because people are wearing something that, you know, I... I just thought was a fairly good idea and wanted to give it a shot. And yet that it can make people feel good and and that they can kind of react in such a way is incredible to me I you know I absolutely love it and um yeah and obviously like I've had a few celebrities wear it as well so that's crazy because Kimberly Walsh wore my leggings when she was pregnant and um and I messaged her and said oh my god this is going to show my age but like when my husband was just my boyfriend we used to watch you on pop stars and now and now you're like wearing my clothes this is really cool and she probably she sent me a really lovely message but I wonder whether she didn't maybe appreciate me reminding her that it was 20 years ago or whatever it was but she knows she sent me a lovely message she was really sweet but I was like totally fangirling over over Kimberly Walsh <laughs> oh wow yeah I know for me if I had discovered that the brand well when it first came out if I had been um in the right circles on Instagram at that point then I probably would have started running again six months earlier than I did because there was nothing physical holding me back it's just I wasn't really sure I didn't really know what to do with myself I, it was locked down I was a brand new mum first time mum yeah but if I'd known about that then I think that would have changed that would have definitely inspired me to run earlier and be more confident to, that I could do it earlier and because I was worried about breastfeeding, etc. and everything like that. Who knows? Maybe next time, <laughs> if there's a next time. And do you have any particular favourite colour or favourite piece that, that you've loved designing or you love to wear yourself or do you just love it all? Oh, well, 
it varies, I suppose, because I've always been very much about the bright colours. And actually, when I launched the brand, I wasn't even going to have black leggings because I was like, nope, I'm not having any black. And everything's always black. And then I can't remember, I think it was a friend of mine said, look, everybody wants black leggings, especially when they're pregnant. Like you've got, you've got, and, and of course, like my black leggings are the most popular thing that I sell. So, you know, that was obviously a good business decision to put black leggings in there. Um, but I really love the bright colours. So I love the pink and the, the electric pink and the, uh, sorry, the electric blue and the hot pink bras. I really love those colours. Um, and I love the berry leggings. So I'm really all about the very bright colours. But recently we brought out um, a, a cobalt, like a dark blue bra to match the blue leggings. and I did that because I know it's a really nice color to go with a lot of other colors. And, you know, sometimes people want a darker option. I didn't really think that would be so much for me, that bra. But actually, I've worn it loads recently because I really like it um, with the blue leggings. So maybe I'm kind of not as wedded to having the bright colors myself anymore. But yeah, nice to have a bit of variety. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay, thank you so much for talking so much in so much detail about your own experiences of exercise and pregnancy, your prolapse, the brand, of course. Um, where can people find out more about Natal Active or follow you on Instagram or anything like that if they want to uh, learn more? Yeah, so you can see the website is www.natalactive.com. Um, and then I'm on um, in predominantly over on Instagram is kind of where I do a lot of social media. So that's just at Natal Active. But we're also on Pinterest, Facebook, Twitter now and again. Um, so you can find us on any of those channels. Fabulous. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. It's been really lovely to chat to you. You too. Whether you're a new mum thinking about starting your postpartum exercise journey or you're working your way through Couch to 5k. If you've got a new post-baby PB or you're listening along on a gentle jog, share your experiences using the hashtag LaceUpAndListen to be in with a chance of featuring on next week's episode as our Lace Up and Listener of the Week. Maybe you've been inspired by Claire to enter the London Marathon next year. Claire has also created an exclusive 15% discount code for listeners on your first natal active purchase. Just enter the code LACEUP at the checkout. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share and leave a review. If you have suggestions for potential topics or future guests, then I'd love to hear from you too. You can contact me or tag me on Instagram at the Uphill Runner and use the hashtag LACEUPANDLISTEN. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. There'll be another episode available next week at the same time. If you can't wait that long, don't forget you can still download and listen to all the previous episodes, including from series one and two. Looking forward to running with you next time. <laughs>